everybody, and welcome to the Black Coffee Fight Club. Before we get started, I just want to thank Edward Cotta, our newest Patreon member. If you want to uh, support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can pledge your involvement. Head on over to patreon.com slash everythingwentblackpodcast, and uh, there's a whole system of rewards and all that sort of good stuff laid out there. So if you want to check it out, head on over there and, uh, you know, figure it out. This episode is brought to you by Roll 77 MMA. Check for a full line of uh, shirts, rash guards, hand wraps, and other cool stuff. Head on over to www.roll77usa.com. All compression gear is made domestically in the U.S. of A. For all of your nutritional and workout needs, we have on it. If you go to the everythingwentblackmedia.com uh, website, you'll see two banners at the lower end of the uh, page there. And uh, one of them is for kettlebells and exercise equipment, and the other one is for uh, nutritional stuff like MCT oil. Both of that's both of, both of those both of those things. I'm a, a user of every day. MCT oil goes with my coffee. Start my day off with that. Usually a couple times a week, I do some kind of workout that involves kettlebells. So uh, you know, I'm big into all that kind of stuff. So I'm fully back the on it line. And pretty much every day, I use my Datsusara bag. And if you're interested in picking up this killer hemp bag, you can fit everything you ever need in it. Um, head on over to the uh, Datsusara link on the Everything Went Black Media website. Click through and check it out, and uh, you won't be disappointed. This episode is also brought to you, last but not least, by Savage Gold Coffee. So go to savagegoldcoffee.com and... Uh, that's my coffee brand. If you like coffee, check it out. You can also buy Savage Gold on Amazon, which is actually one of the preferred ways of doing it right now since I'm getting ready to head out on tour for the next month or so. And if you want to have professionals deliver your coffee to you, I would recommend using Amazon for the next month or so because I'll be out on the road. And uh, you know, good, good help is hard to find, and I'll just leave it at that. Another way that you can help out the podcast is just by uh, telling your friends, sharing sharing the podcast, leaving reviews, all that kind of stuff. It all helps. And if you want to get at me via email, you can hit me up at mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. Facebook, Instagram, Mike under slash Hill under slash primate, or Twitter at MikeHillHQ. So before we get into... Uh, all the UFC talk. Just want to address the whole Chris Cyborg thing. As most of you know by now, Chris Cyborg punched Angela Magana at the uh, UFC retreat or whatever the hell they call it. Um, it. It kind of doesn't really make sense why Magana went after Cyborg. I mean, she's a straw weight, and uh, there's no possible way that she would ever fight Cyborg. So there's no real motivation to you know, harass her online. Except for maybe the fact that Maganya might be a fucking cunt. You know, that kind of crossed my uh, my mind. And um, yeah, because there's no reason professionally, no reason for any of this gamesmanship or name calling or any of this other stuff. Uh, it doesn't didn't make any sense to me. So I kind of back the law of the jungle where 
you have actions and consequences. And if you do an action, you can expect a consequence. So if you disparage somebody, not to their face, I would expect there to be some sort of repercussion. And, uh, you know, we're talking about fighters. We're talking about people who are very comfortable with physical confrontations. So if I were Angela Magana, I would expect Cyborg to show up and take a shot at me, which is exactly what she did. Now, instead of taking it all in stride, apparently Magana has filed uh, charges against Cyborg, and there's going to be some sort of uh, legal consequence. And, um, yeah, sure, in a modern society, uh, all that stuff is above board, and, yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, we have laws and all that sort of stuff, but you know, to me, it's kind of a punk-ass move to do something like that, to instigate somebody into a physical altercation. And then when that person has this retribution against you, uh, involve the law. And I just think it's kind of bullshit. And, uh, you know, it's actually pretty cool. A lot of fighters seem to share the same sentiment. And, um, you know, I've been reading online where a lot of people like Frankie Edgar and, you know, Max Holloway have been sort of criticizing Magania for her, uh, you know, punk-ass move. And apparently, uh, Brandon Vera went on online uh, declaring that she's been uh, run out of her camp, Alliance MMA. They basically told her, don't bother showing up for practice anymore. And I kind of think that's cool. I mean, you know, I mean, everyone talks shit. That's like, unfortunately, the way the sport is going. And, uh, you know, I get it if you're trying to call someone out, you know, all this stuff creates hype and a storyline and all this other, you know, crap that seems to sell pay-per-views and put, you know, asses in seats, as they say. But in this case, uh, there is no fight to be made. I mean, one of these chicks is 115 pounds, or fights at 115 pounds officially, and Cyborg has trouble making 145. So uh, there's nothing to be gained except for mean-spiritedness. There's a great interview with Chris Cyborg and her boyfriend, Ray Elba, on um, the Big Brown Breakdown, which is Brendan Schaub's podcast. And uh, it's like a very frank, emotional uh, interview. And it kind of goes into the whole thing about how the years of bullying and the uh, sort of UFC-led smear campaign against Cyborg kind of led to this whole thing. And um, it's actually really good, man, and I recommend it. And... um, you know, check it out. And before you start, you know, making fun of Chris Cyborg, uh, I sort of recommend everybody to just apply a little bit of sensitivity because, I mean, even though Cyborg is like a, one of the most brutal fighters, male or female, in the sport today, I mean, she's still a, a, a lady, you know, and, I, and at the peril of sounding sexist, um, you know, I still sort of believe that you should treat a lady like a lady and I think that it's um especially in this climate of uh you know all this like name calling and suicide and all this other bullshit I still think that um that people should be a little bit kinder to each other especially online when there's no face-to-face component to the interaction so yeah that's um you know those are my thoughts about Chris Cyborg I've always been a fan of hers you know I, I mean who's who how can you not like her she goes out there and knocks people out. I mean, that's great. You know, she's got awesome Muay Thai, black belt in jiu-jitsu, old school. I mean, you know, 
you know, and on top of all this stuff, let's not remember that Conor McGregor threw a punch at Nate Diaz in uh, the weigh-in. Let's also forget, not forget that uh, when DC and John Jones, they basically started a riot <laughs> at one of the press events. You know, there was no charges, nothing of this nature. There was no big anything as a result of that stuff. And also of anyone, I mean, I know that Cyborg's got a checkered past when it comes to PEDs, allegedly. And um, I just think it's also hypocritical because everyone embraces guys like Chael Sonnen. And, uh, you know, I mean, some of my favorite fighters have been nabbed for uh, for PED use. You know, Vitor Belfort, you know, I mean, it's a little bit, little bit uh, hypocritical for people to point fingers, you know. And, uh, yeah, so anyway... I just want to get that off my chest. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like just the cyborg UFC um, connections never going to be made. I think that especially after something like this, maybe she's um, better off going to a different promotion, you know, and it's unfortunate because she's a great fighter and I'd like to, I'm really interested in seeing her fighting the best fighters there are. And, uh, you know, they promised her doing this 145 division. They, you know, they just kind of dissolved that whole weight class. So, anyway, it's a bummer, you know, but what are you going to do? Chris Weidman versus Kelvin Gastelum is set for UFC on Fox 25 as the main event. And holy shit, does Weidman have a hard road ahead of him? Coming off three losses, you would think, you know, Sean, Sean Shelby would try to do him a favor and maybe give him somebody that's not totally on fire like Kelvin Gastelum. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm pulling for Weidman. I think he's a great fighter. Uh, I don't want to see him get cut. I think he's got some, you know, good years ahead of him. But I also think Gastelum is a, a rising star in the middleweight division. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, man. Also, uh, now, as as you all know by now, uh, TJ Dillashaw and uh, Cody G's fight is off uh, due to an injury. So, I mean, there's been talk about um, Dillashaw fighting Demetrius Johnson, but that got shut down, apparently. A lot of people have also been criticizing DJ, saying that he should take the fight for his quote-unquote legacy. Fuck that. I mean, the dude's about, he's one fight away from breaking Anderson Silva's record, you know, of title defenses. You know, let the man accomplish his goal before setting him up for one of these fights. And, and honestly, this fight against Dillashaw doesn't even make any sense. It's like, it's not champ versus champ. Um, you know, nothing against TJ. I mean, he's been getting dicked around by the UFC as well. But uh, it just doesn't make any sense for him to fight. There's no, I mean, what weight class do they do that at? 135? 120, you know, 125, like what, it, none of it makes any sense to me. Unless, of course, if DJ was the champ, then sure, you know, super fight, maybe a catch weight. But uh, yeah, the whole thing just seems kind of silly, you know, and people, people love to take shots at DJ, but I mean, yeah, he's, hasn't maybe fought notable people, but he's cleaned out the division. He's fought everyone they put in front of him at 125 and has, you know, cleaned out the division, man. His body of work stands on its own. For that, he should be celebrated for that instead of criticized for, you know, not moving up in weight classes. And 
he's a little guy too. It's not like he's, you know, he is not, I don't even think he should be at 135. He's comfortable at 125 and let him do his thing. Maybe they should get uh, Dominic Cruz in there to fight uh, Dillashaw. You know, I mean, neither one of them are champ. It just might be a grudge match. Make it a main event. Make it five rounds. You know, the winner of that fight gets to fight Cody. That makes a lot more sense. You know, I say let DJ defend his title one more time, get the record, then he can go up to 135 and fight whoever's champ at the time. Maybe it's Cody, maybe it's TJ. That makes a little bit more sense to me. I don't know. So GSP's out, not fighting Bisping. Apparently he has an eye injury. And hopefully this means Bisping will be defending his title against uh, an actual contender instead of, uh, you know, digging up, you know, some old guy on his last legs and, uh, you know, calling that, you know, someone who's ranked 15 or something and bringing him into a title picture. It seems like ever since Bisping has uh, became champ, the whole middleweight division has been in total chaos. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of a good thing that GSP is um, not doing this fight. I think he should stay at 170. He retired a champ. I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting Tyrone Woodley. You know, I mean, I, I would like to really see other people fight Tyrone Woodley before GSP, but such as Damian Maya. But uh, get him in there. You know, at this stage, at this stage of the game, he probably isn't coming back till late this year anyhow. So, you know, I don't know. I kind of see uh, a dark future for the UFC, honestly. If these are the kinds of things we're getting excited about these days, um, it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs, I think. So anyway, earlier today, uh, I was cleaning my apartment, getting ready to hit the road, going on tour. New Tombs Records coming out in a couple weeks. I've got some uh, subletters moving in later on this week, so um, you know I wanted to uh, make sure my home is nice and clean and orderly for these strangers who are going to be living here for the next month or so. That's kind of an odd thing to sit with sometimes, yet I've become sort of comfortable with it over the last like year or so. Ever since I've entered this uh, wild journey of uh, individuality that I'm on right now. And uh, as a result, one of the things I do is when I go on tour, in order to keep my expenses low, I rent them out. I rent my apartment out to strangers and they live here for however long they do. And, uh, and they pay me money. And that's um, all part of the plan, I guess. So I had um, the fights on. But most of my time and attention was spent in the deep cleaning of my kitchen and bathroom. And every time I uh, clean my kitchen and bathroom, I realized what a shithole I live in here. And uh, an expensive shithole, by the way. And um, yeah, I don't know, it just puts me in this certain frame of mind. So there was a couple fights I checked out. I definitely uh, made sure that I was able to watch uh, Glover and, uh, and Gustafson fight. You know, I mean, hell, hell that's the main event. You know, it's a serious uh, contender elimination fight. And there's a couple other uh, notable fights on the card. I probably missed some other good fights, but, you know, you guys let me know. Let me know if uh, anything else was good. When it comes on the, on Fight Pass, I'll check it out. So, yeah, man, that was um great fight. 
Alexander Gustafin, Gustafson defeating Glover Teixeira by a fifth round TKO KO. Uh, definitely dominant with respect to Alexander Gustafson. You know, great footwork, devastating hand speed, and he's a guy who really utilizes that range. Uh, the only bummer is that there was an eye poke early in the fight, and though I definitely felt like it was a factor, I still think that Gus was well away on, on winning the fight. I mean, it's unfortunate that these things happen, um, but I still think just Gustafson was a superior fighter that, on, on this day. You know, my only issue with uh, his style is that at times he turns his back and literally runs away. And this is something he started utilizing in his fight against DC. Or maybe he's done this earlier, but it just didn't seem as apparent until he faced, uh, you know, Daniel Cormier. And um, I don't know, there's something, I just don't like that. <laughs> I mean, the guy's got great footwork. I don't think he needs to like turn his back and run away from somebody. Uh, you know, I mean, that that's, maybe that's a semantics issue that I have. Maybe it's like a style type of thing. Um, I just don't like seeing that. And, uh, I kind of feel like if you did that against John Jones, um, there might be, uh, you know, some, that might, that might pose a situation for him. The co-made event was interesting. We have Vol Volkan Uzdemir beating Misha Serkinov. And uh, Uzdemir, and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, looks like he's going to be a, you know, a new prospect in the light heavyweight division. Everyone always says the light heavyweight division shallow. It's like filled with old men. And uh, I kind of don't agree with that, man. I think there's a lot of good fighters in the light heavyweight division. You know, maybe they're not, they're not the most vocal bunch of guys, but I still think that there's a lot of good talent in that division. And, uh, Uzdemir is one of those guys. I think uh, Serkinov was, I think, ranked fifth. So, I don't know. I think it was, it was great. Great fight. Uh, my man, uh, Chris Komotsi, lost. You know, that was kind of a bummer. Uh, he's just one of those fighters. That I just like his style. I like his career. I've been following him for a while. You know, he's never, yeah, probably never going to be a champ. Maybe he never had a chance as being a champ. But he's just like one of those, like, Guys in the top 15, top 20 that I always like, I always like watching him fight. And uh, this time he came up short. So keep, keep at it, Chris. You know, hope to see you again, man. Someone who I actually have been paying attention to over the last year was uh, this guy, uh, Darren Till. And he won today with a decision over Yesen Ayari. You know, I mean, I think this is uh, Darren Till's third fight in the UFC. He has, he's 14-0-1. He's not ranked yet. Uh, it's, his, yeah, it's his third fight in the UFC. The last fight was a draw against this guy, Nicholas Dalby, and apparently that was fight of the night. I did not see that fight. I saw his first fight in the UFC, and I was like, seems, seems a kind of a cool, cool personality. He's uh, from Liverpool, which makes him a Liverpudlian, but he lives down in, uh, lives in fights in Brazil, and... What I was most impressed by is that he has pretty much adopted the Brazilian lifestyle. You know, he's learned Portuguese. You know, he, he wanted to go to the source, I guess, and just, you know, submerge himself in the culture, the fight culture in Brazil. And, um, I mean, I'm sure I'm projecting a lot of this. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe this is a path 
I would love to have followed it at a younger age in my life, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Darren Till just seems like one of these guys who's on like a martial arts journey where, um, you know, he's leaving home and isolating himself going into these cultures and, uh, it's like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or something like that. But anyway, I, I, I like his style. Like he's has like a, like a Thai kickboxing style. And um, I always enjoy watching good striking, especially in that style. And um, yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on him, man. I mean, he's um, unfortunately, he missed weight today. He's fighting in the welterweight division and he weighed in at 175, 76 pounds. So. He's got to get that together before he can actually make any kind of action. But, you know, he's a game opponent and, you know, he's a real competitor. And I just think that he's a young kid. He's off to a great start. I'd like to see him against – well, actually, you know what, maybe not. Maybe I, I want to see him develop, you know. Maybe I don't want to see him get thrown to the wolves right away. You know, maybe uh, unlike Yair Rodriguez, he needs to get a couple more of these, like, you know, Low, like top 15 guys under his belt, you know, develop, you know, I'd like to see that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Darren Till's on my radar. So yeah. And that was today. It was a cool Sunday. I like when these cards happen during the day. I just uh, wish that I had more time and attention to devote to it. You know, I was trying to get all this stuff done today and um, I was successful and I did, you know, catch a bunch of good fights. This coming week, we have UFC 212. Finally, the unification of the featherweight division. A division that has been controversial for the last uh, couple of years. You know, we had a champion who has not defended his belt, was stripped of the belt, and then somehow, without actually fighting, they made Jose Aldo the champ again and we have max holloway who is the interim champion and the ufc has made a complete mockery of the interim titles that it is pretty meaningless really i mean i guess basically the way i'm looking at it is these two guys are going to fight you know they're maybe ranked one and two despite what uh you know one guy being the champ and one guy being interim champ i look at these guys as number one and number two in the division arguably max holloway is number two maybe frankie's number two i don't know but this is actually uh it's as if they created this division yesterday and these are the guys who they're going to pick to fight to become champion you know thanks to conor mcgregor this whole division is fucked up and in turmoil and this hopefully is going to straighten things out for a while. But yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, yeah, McGregor slept out though. <laughs> you know, within I think it was what 13 seconds he knocked him out and um devastating loss, especially after the whole build up. You know, the initially the fight was canceled, you know, the mental warfare that was going on and the magic or sorcery behind McGregor's rise to the top, whatever you want to call it. But aside from that, Aldo has had a pretty stellar body of work in his most recent fight against Frankie Edgar. He looked great. 
you know, and it's really hard to look good against Frankie Edgar. So if he fights that way, I'm picking him to defeat Max Holloway. Now, this in and of itself is problematic for the promotion. What would be good for the for the sport and to keep things rolling would be if Holloway did win because, you know, Aldo, aside from McGregor, has been the only champion that the UFC's ever had at featherweight. Uh, so the promotion would be better well served if Max Holloway won. So that way you get new blood in there. It sets up a title fight for Frankie. Um, I think more people are interested in seeing him fight Max Holloway than they are in seeing him fight Jose Aldo for a third time. And, um, you know, Edgar really is the next guy in line in that division. So it's an interesting fight. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to predict the method of victory. Um, but I'm, I'm going to predict that Aldo wins. And then we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they always seem to, to, they'll jump somebody up to fight Aldo or who knows. I mean, they were looking back, they were probably hoping that Yair Rodriguez beat Frankie. And they're probably hoping that Max Holloway defeats Jose Aldo. So then they could have made the fight of Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. But unfortunately, this is the fight game and anything can happen in MMA. And Yair got taken, taken to school. Co-main event, Claud- Claudia Gedalia versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. I believe that I'm pronouncing Kovalkiewicz's last name the right way. I've heard it pronounced a myriad a virtual myriad of different ways over the last uh, several months. But um, the fact that I live in a predominantly Polish neighborhood, I feel that I'm actually pronouncing her name the right way. So this, um, it's interesting. I kind of feel like this fight, though, it's with uh, the one in, number one and number two in the division, is relatively insignificant in the title contention picture for the women's strawweight division. Both of these ladies have unsuccessfully contested for championship gold against Ioana Jacek. They both have losses, and uh, they're not likely to fight again because Rose Namajunas is going to be fighting Ioana uh, champion again. So unless Rose wins, which... You know, I mean, let's face it, man. I don't really see anybody beating Johanna. Johanna. Um, not for a while. I mean, I know Ronda Rousey in her reign as you know champion made the claims that she wanted to def- retire undefeated. I, I actually believe that Janjacek can achieve that goal. That she could actually retire from MMA as an undefeated champion in this division. So, I mean, as much as it pains me, I mean, I I like all these women. I think they're all great fighters. They're all have a tremendous amount of heart and they're all all skilled. But I just really believe that the differential in skill between Ioana and Jacek and the rest of the division is is like the Grand Canyon. 
it's a yawning chasm that no one in that division is going to be able to traverse. There's a void, an abyss between the skill sets of Ioannia and Jacek and the next best fighter in that division. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really imagine Rose winning unless it somehow is a grappling. Somehow it turns into a grappling, a grappling match where, I mean, I know Ioana has great takedown defense and you take her down. And even if you do take her down, she gets right back up. But if somehow Rose can keep her on the ground, maybe she can turn it into a win. You know, but that's that's a that's a big if. So anyway, Gedalia versus Kovalkiewicz. It's going to be a great fight. You know, it's kind of meaningless. I mean, if maybe there was no Ioana champion, one of these ladies would be the champ in her stead. But alas, that's not the case. So I'm going to say that Kovalkiewicz wins. I'm going to say she wins by decision. I think Gadelia is going to win a couple of rounds. And I think Kovalkiewicz is uh, win a couple of rounds. But I think that she's going to get the, the W in this fight. So, yeah. It should be a good one, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do the whole card because nobody wants to hear me go on and on about this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I, the, next, the next interesting one on the card. And also, I, you know. I don't, I don't. Most of these guys, the rest of the cars, not not a lot of people that I'm really that familiar with. But we got Vitor Belfort versus Nate the Great Marquart. Marquart, yeah. Uh, this is apparently Vitor's swan song bout in the in MMA, or at least in the UFC. I don't believe Vitor's not going to fight. So. Uh, He's, you know, he's claiming retirement after this. In order for Nate to win in Brazil, he's going to have to knock Vitor out. You know, with that said, I'm picking Vitor to win by KO. KO, TKO. You know, Nate's been a little chinny over the last couple of years. Um, he's coming off a decision loss to Smiling Sam Alvey. Uh you know, Nate's another guy maybe who should consider uh, what his next move is going to be, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Vitor, I think he's picking a good time to get out of the sport because he hasn't really looked bad. You know, I mean, he's you know, he, he's he's still competitive, but, yeah, I think he sees the writing on the wall. So I think he's going to retire from the UFC. I think he's going to start taking those supplements that he's been taking when he was all jacked. And I think he's going to go to like, um, you know, Ryzen or something like that or fight in Japan where he can get used to the gills and get back on the HGH and just start, uh, you know, wheel kicking people into oblivion again. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm picking Vitor in this one. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to TKO or KO uh, Marquardt. So, I don't know. It should be an interesting card. But yeah, there you have it, man. That's uh, that's the episode for tonight. You guys enjoy the last one where I had my buddy Champ on on the uh, on as a guest. I did. I really like talking to that dude. I uh, you know, really look forward to seeing him again. And uh, 
with the tour schedule that I've been maintaining for the last year, I actually see him quite a bit over the last, um, you know, I'm always finding myself down in Austin, Texas. And it's always cool to hang out with, uh, with Champ. He's in a great band called Black Ops. So if any of you guys out there like, uh, you know, metal or grindcore or noise music, you know, noise rock, you know, heavy stuff like that, check out Black Ops. Champ also was the, you know, formerly was the, was the singer in, in Kill the Client, which is a uh, great, you know, grind, grindcore band, you know, like a hardcore vibe. Uh, many years of great shows and records, and I've played many great shows with those guys, and uh, great band. You know, you can check them out too, you know, if you like that sort of Texas grind sound, which I, I personally do. So there you have it. Uh, once again, check out Roll 77 MMA, www.roll77usa.com. If you are in the market for a rash guard or some hand wraps, you know, want to get a cool t-shirt, any, anything like that, check those guys out. And you can buy their compression equipment knowing that it was made in the U.S. of A. And this weekend being Memorial Day weekend, I'm feeling particularly patriotic and, um, I can recommend these guys in good faith. So, uh, yeah, man, tomorrow's a day off for most people. And um, hope you guys are having a great weekend. And I'll talk to you soon.